five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Okay, we're going to talk about advertising today, which overlaps a lot of things, but especially digital and direct mail. We got a whole bunch of stuff on the docket for today. So let's get over to the uh, to the fictional world of my other side of my computer and see what things look like. Whoops, I made this too big. Now I can't see what's going on. Okay, if you're out there, say hello. And I see some of you are, so that's always fun. Now let's see. Go over here to this. Yes. Okay, so let's start with an old radio commercial. I like this one. Ladies, tired of drying your hair with the same old vacuum cleaner? Try Avanchet brand new Beauty Locks portable hair dryer. It's smaller, it's faster, it's guaranteed to give you the hair you've always wanted in half the time. Beauty Locks is delicate and dainty just like you. The dryer weighs only a pound and easily fits in your hand. Now that's beauty and convenience. With a speedy motor that will dry your hair in as little as 25 minutes, you can get gorgeous hair without falling behind 25 minutes. Don't worry about the little ones or that pie in the oven. Thanks to an extra long pie extension cord, you can move around while primping your locks. Forget those long trips to the salon and no more waiting for hours under monster machines. Alvanche gives you an easy and speedy hairdo that will blow your man away. Get it now at your nearest Macy's. Okay, anyway. So, back in the 20s, uh, it was kind of the, the golden age of advertising with the launching of, of new media. Television was invented then, but not enough people had it. Um, but it was basically radio that came along. And in those days, companies would create content in order to attract re- listeners and then they would advertise on their shows. And I was trying to find some examples of those. Like I, I didn't find any good examples. But um, but I was listening to Pepsodent. You wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. There's some great ads out of the 20s. Just absolutely great. And yesterday I talked about uh, scientificadvertising.com. Claude Hopkins' book is there available for free. And I got the name wrong. And so uh, if you were looking for that, uh, it's Scientific Advertising. And it was written in the 20s. And it points back to the direct mail heritage of the previous 50 years. And so it's basically 100 years old, and uh, but goes back another 50. And so if you're interested in advertising at any capacity, but especially if you're interested in direct mail and direct marketing, you should definitely go to scientificadvertising.com. I I get nothing from it. I think uh, I think the 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 webmaster who's who's got sort of this really interesting archive out there. You can get a lot of other uh, great books. And uh, I went and and popped for the ten dollar uh, compilation, which included some other stuff, including the the audio version of scientific advertising. And it's it's a great listen when you're driving, you know, and you got an, an hour, a couple hours to 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 drive. Anyway, so in the old in those days, there was a direct connection between the content and the ad. Okay, the advertiser in many cases would even negotiate product placement deals. Uh, the Marx Brothers, one of their one of their movies, ran out of money before they could finish, and so in the original version, 
they run across the tops of buildings and they go past all these billboards. And those billboards were sponsors that they rounded up at the last minute uh, in order to in order to finish the movie. And it's really not integrated well with the rest of the movie, but that's what you had to do to raise money. And so there was this tight integration. <clears throat> well, today we have we have basically hired fancy computers to watch the content essentially of uh of you know what's being played on YouTube or other uh smart TVs or other other media and that's what places our our ads our digital ads or we go to Google and we say we trust you with all of your metrics and you will find our audience. Yeah, radio is a big part. And Keith, I want to talk to you today. <laughs> I keep sending you messages. <laughs> radio is still a big part of the mix, can still do a lot. There's been some great launches in the last five years, uh, mainly with just radio. Um, and the Chocolate Strawberry Company just mainly used radio. It's fascinating. But they didn't get a lot of repeat buys. I was going to talk about sustainability today, but instead... I'm talking about this. Okay, <clears throat> now, what happened was, let's go over to the PDF. Let's go to PDF. Okay, and we're at, oops, that's not where we want to go. we got to get over here to the PDF. Okay, and the ANA published a study now about the mind-numbing programmatic marketplace, about how, about how ads are placed today. <clears throat> and they're going to do a uh they've they've put out an RFP a request for proposal to study what can be done about it. The answer is get those connections back between the advertiser and the content producers. And I'm not just talking about influencers. I'm just talking about publishers for heaven's sakes. <clears throat> in the old and when I started in the 80s, which is kind of in between there, <laughs> It's about 60 years in both directions. When I started in the 80s, we would rent mailing lists uh, related to the products and the market that we were serving. And we would directly negotiate for our, uh, for our use of the list because the, ad, the, the publisher or the, or the direct marketer would approve our list request. <clears throat> so we had a really good idea of who we were mailing to in the sense of, you know, let's say national business furniture. We knew they were interested in furniture. We knew they were businesses. We knew they'd they'd ordered through the mail. <clears throat> we may not know their geodemographics. We could overlay that with, um, with zip preferences if we could model our own customers and say, well, our own customers are highly urban. Like Quill, for example, was founded mainly on rural marketing. And they didn't use, they never used um, person's name. They put business name, uh, street address, city, state, zip. And it was a long, long time before they started marketing to a person. It's fascinating. Um, National Business Furniture, on the other hand, had a, had a huge urban market and really, really did well in the downtown areas. And that was partly because um, George Mosier, the founder of National Business Furniture and I were friends, and he said, "You know, you just don't go out on your lunch hour to a 
to a furniture, to an office furniture display room. There were some, like in Manhattan, but, you know, and it was, it would be difficult to get the furniture. It'd be just about as hard to get the furniture from six blocks away as it was to get it from 600 miles away. <laughs> Somebody had to deliver it one way or the other. And so we had a pretty good idea of what was going on, and then we would test it, and because the marketers were also, also had a pretty good idea of who they were marketing to, the whole thing kind of worked. Now, today, there's fewer lists available. It's much more difficult to get that thing to work. But I just wanted to show you, uh, I want to show you the ANA's diagram where uh, this is, and I got to look really, it's really small. Um, this is your total ad budget, and this is uh, your trading partner or something, who you're buying it from, and this is like, oh, this is agency fees. Let's see if I can get that bigger. I, it's It was very fuzzy even in the original. This is tech data verification fees. This is ad auction fees, okay? And this is the publisher. So the publisher gets less than half of this money, okay, of the, of the ad budget. See that? Less than half of the ad budget goes to the publisher themselves, right? And it creates a lot of area for mischief. Let's get that back shrink down. People don't realize the high-tech world I'm in here. Uh, the, the, uh, the ANA said that this programmatic marketplace is riddled with material issues, including thin transparency and fractured accountability and mind-numbing complexity, okay? Because we're, what we're trying to do, you know, and I've been talking about this for, for years now, what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, oh, that person, that person right there, that person right there, they're, they're, they, they, they want to buy, they want to buy, they're trying to buy something. Quick, 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 get them, stop them. Let them see our stuff. It's better. And they think that's the most effective way to do advertising. I, I just don't really believe it. You know, far better is to get impre get 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 a connection in the in the consumer's mind. Read Trout and Reese Marketing Warfare about how your mind has slots for certain things. You know, my wife used to only buy Italian sausage from Dominic's Finer Foods in Chicago. We lived in Wisconsin, like one of the world one of the world hotspots for sausage. <laughs> but she'd only get now she goes to the Piggly Wiggly and they put extra fennel in for. Her. Uh, <laughs> I said, aren't there isn't there anybody in Wisconsin that can make make good Italian sausage? No, no, no. It has to come from Dominic's Finer Foods, and that that, that kind of connection. Um, and, and, and Trout and Reese make the argument that your brain has like two slots in it. So if I ask you who was the first person, we should have, an, we should have a prize for this. I'll send you the audio book, my audio book, if you get this right. Who was the first person to fly ac uh, across the Atlantic? See if, for the old people. Okay, who was the first person to fly across the Atlantic? And see if you can come up with that. And the plane that they flew is named after a city, and it is one of the most unflyable planes that were ever created. You couldn't see. There was no front window. You couldn't see out the window. You had to, you had to stick your head out the window. 
because they needed such so much fuel capacity they they filled the thing with fuel it was like it was like flying a bomb it would have been a great kamikaze plane except you couldn't see what you're aiming at okay and so see who you see if you can come up with that i don't see any guesses so far uh and then i want you to think about maybe you'll get the second one i don't know if there's a prize for this who was the first woman to fly across the atlantic ocean non-stop and uh okay so you've got these two slots but if i say who is the second man or second person or second woman nobody knows isn't that something how our brains just don't even have a spot for that okay we're like little those little in old-fashioned hotels and i've stayed in some they had little mail slots for the different rooms if you stayed for a while Okay, so the ANA estimates that global pandemic ad spending is on track to exceed 200 billion, but only 40% goes to the publishers. Ad tech middleman taking a variety of cuts that ostensibly enable ad value to programmatic, ostensibly ad value. You know, and I was one of those, I'm sort of one of those ad value people, but we would actually prove the value of what we did because. In many cases, the 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 e-commerce or catalog client is is figuring out their own list selection formulas, and we would test against their own formulas or test against competitive formulas. And uh, what we learned was you got to test it in the mail because anybody can make a formula that looks really great on paper with filled with spurious correlations. The art is spotting those and taking them out. So if you're buying your if you're getting your customer modeling for free, happy to test against you. Okay, and this study was part of the one that I mentioned, or that uh, Tom Fishburne mentioned, uh, the Incorporated Society of British Advertisers and the World Federation of Advertisers. So we'll have more on that to come. Uh, another article, excellent article. Beware the bots. Okay, beware the bots. And this is about cable TV and smart TV. And it basically says bad actors can can gain access to cable TV servers, disguise bots and real viewers and event uh, and even purport to. <laughs> it looked good on the screen here. Let's see if I, what happens if I make it big. I think I don't know if you can see it, but I can see it now. Let's see what it looks like over here. Yeah, you can still see it. I don't know if it works. Okay, bad actors can gain and and even purport to run ads when no ads are present. Okay, and there were 650 million bid requests a day that went into more than 600 6,000 CTV apps. That's a huge problem. On smart TVs, there's supposed to be some degree of personalization. But that isn't even for sure. Uh, there's many openings in the pipeline. Now, what's really funny is, down a little further, is some people say it's easier to commit uh, on cable buying because of the shift from manual to programmatic models. This is what I've been talking about so far today. And the CTV ecosystem is highly fragmented. But over here, down here, Jeff Wallintz says actually cable tv is less vulnerable than other ip channels there's more data protections because it's basically server driven well i don't know who you can believe but you know <coughs> we're supposed to hit 100 billion in fraud so you know without the fraud only 40 percent of your advertising is going to the publication 
That's what they're saying. Without the fraud. Now you got another layer of fraud. Some estimates run as high as 30% of that. So knock out, you know, another 15% or so of your ad dollars. And you're down to basically saying, okay, um, you know, 25% of your ad spend is going in front of real people. So on an alternative is what is direct marketing? And what's fascinating about this article was that global banking and finance is what who, who produced it. I don't know much about this publication, but uh, it's right up to the minute today, this morning, see? And uh, they ask, what is direct marketing? They say direct marketing is basically a form of communication in which companies convey an offer through the use of direct mail, phone calls, flyers, you know, and uh, create some kind of response. Uh, and some of them call it mass response or direct response advertising. They, they generate a direct reply. Now, I've argued for decades that direct marketing, where you mail something and somebody mails something back, that the, the old time history is about as indirect as you can get. But there's a lot of interesting stuff in here, and one of the things I like is, is that um, they talk about, they use the word test a lot. Test, test, testing. This is something I never see in articles about direct response. <laughs> uh, you know, but there's also some nutty stuff. Mail order catalogs can be sent for as little as a few cents per piece. Well, I don't know how you do that. You know, the postage itself, even if it was on a postcard, is more than that. So I don't know what world they're living in. It almost reads like a bot wrote it, and they just they just sampled content from, you know, they, they like pulled content from all the articles in the world, and that's how they built the built the uh, the content. And Oh, look at this. USPS, no spam filters because there's no bots. Yeah, you get what you pay for. They have special agents that go out and investigate fraud. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right off the bat. We know it goes to the household. And if it didn't go to the households, we wouldn't get complaints calling it junk mail. It's like, what do I, did I want this? Anyway, but this direct mail could have been written by bots. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Scott Adams points out that what you do is you is you take keywords that get hit a lot and you synthesize an article around it with AI. I have a friend who's writing writing a book using an AI generator. <laughs> and much like modeling, you don't want to let it just run loose because the pro, the plot gets quite convoluted. Anyway, so uh, so what is direct marketing? Direct marketing is testing. Direct marketing is is a heuristic system that gets smarter over and over and over. And the and the most important takeaway here is that if you can be if you can talk about direct marketing and you can elevate people's understanding of mail to 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 include that mail is the best environment to test. Why? Because we know who got it. And we know if they didn't order in all other media, you don't know who didn't order. You don't know who saw it and didn't act. And that's a key piece. That's, that's in fact, maybe more important than just knowing who responded. Everybody knows who responded. 
But how do we know who looked at it and didn't respond? Because that will tell us what our key market is. If you just take it against overall population averages, that's not going to tell you anything. What you want to know is I targeted this market and some of these people bought. Why? What? What? What can I tell from this? That's what where machine learning shines and how we've made millions of dollars for all kinds of mailers, big mailers across the last 25 years. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Have a great day. Bye-bye.